The Antidote welcomes singer-songwriter Allie Crummy. Thanks for joining us, Allie. Thank you. You've been releasing music over the last two years, which makes you, I guess, a bit of a newcomer to the Christian music scene. Yes. What was it that made you want to jump in? Oh, my. (laughs) So my first single was I Have Peace, which I think actually was close to three years ago that I released as a single, September 2019. And at the church that I was going to at the time, that was a song that I had written probably two or three years prior to release. We introduced that song, and we had been singing it in worship. And at the time, you know, we had done it probably a handful of times, and then I had heard from maybe two dozen people asking for a recording of it. You're like, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should make a recording of it. And that was what we did. The band, we all just kind of chipped in money to record a version of that song. And so I did that. And then um, the Spotify algorithm, the stupid deity of algorithms that they kind (laughs) of are, um, (laughs) it smiled upon me at the time. Um, It gave the song some traction, not a ton of traction, but more than um, I had, you know, just organically in my own little sphere. And I had been writing songs for so long, and I was at the point, I was sitting on probably 20 songs just then. And I was like, oh, maybe I should capitalize on this momentum and do a, an Indiegogo campaign to raise some money to fund the first album and my first EP, Every Story Has an Author, were funded through that Indiegogo campaign. I just feel like I am a songwriter, you know, like I always feel more myself when I'm regularly songwriting. It kind of combines all the different parts of my brain in a way that that nothing else really does, and it's just a healthy thing for me to be doing. And so so I just keep writing songs, and then I keep wanting to release them now, <laughs> now that I have this outlet to do it. So I wanted to do it, <laughs> is a better way to say it. So I guess that's your current history. What about going way, way, way back to the very beginning? What was the first music that ever made an impact on you? Oh, Wow. Well, I, I was born in 85, so I'm technically a child of the 80s, but my soul is a child of the 90s, you know. Um, I don't know if this is the first, but this was an early one. My cousin gave me, I want to say it was 92. It was I think it was the year that the album was released. Um, it was Mariah Carey's first album. It is amazing. <laughs> Her singing, it's so next level and it's so good. So anyway, I listened to a lot of Aretha Franklin back in elementary school. So I just love divas. I love the divas. And now you are a diva. Um, I, I can't even, <laughs> I cannot even pretend to agree with that. <laughs> no, these, these ladies, they get their honor that is due them. And I just can I'm just a fan. <laughs> You're negating your own abilities, because I really do think you have an excellent voice. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Why don't the two of us get into your first release, I Have Peace? Sure. I was really taken by the song, How Long? Yeah. And part of the lyrics say, There is a generation whose teeth are swords and knives. They devour the oppressed. They remove the needy from the earth. Yes. That's happening more and more. I mean, look at Ukraine right now. I know. I know. It's interesting because then the song asks the Lord, how long till you save? Yeah. Are you expecting an answer? 
<laughs> um, I would take that question up with Habakkuk because he's the one who asked that question, and I'm just quoting him. And I'm, I'm. Oh, you mean you plagiarized? Yes, I plagiarized <laughs> him. And then the the first quote is, I think, Proverbs thirty. And then I also plagiarized Paul. My consolation is that our present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory to come. You know, paraphrased him. I will say that's my favorite song of the album. It might even be my all-time favorite song that I've put out. How long till you save? That is a question that I don't even know that my soul knows the answer to. <laughs> Sometimes you just have the question, right? You know, you, you just have the question of how long is it going to be like this? How long is it going to go on? How long until, you know, there, we get to see some justice? Situations like Ukraine are just, there are so many news stories that make my soul cry out. How long, oh Lord, you know? When I'm writing those lyrics, I'm asking the question rather than what I'm expecting to see the answer. Sometimes it's just a cry out of desperation, I guess. I know that you've already mentioned that you're a child of the 80s and you're influenced with the 90s. Yes. But you know, I find your music style is hard to define. Mm-hmm. What it does actually remind me of is the folk singers of the 60s and early 70s. Sure. So the question is, were you actually born in the wrong era? <laughs> um, you know, what's funny is I have really big gaps in my musical literacy. I have weird gaps. So things that I should know about, like a lot of Beatles things, I always feel insecure when things like this come up, or the Rolling Stones. I'm always like, oh gosh, I'm supposed to know a lot more about this than I do. <laughs> or even when you say um, folk singers from the 60s, I'm like, yep, that's right, but I'm supposed to know more about this than I do. Um, like Joni Mitchell, I never really listened to her very much growing up because I was listening to all the divas. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I have a lot of gaps in my knowledge. Even if you named some, I don't know that they would be... Um, influences, let alone that I'd be familiar with them, you know. But none of that's really important anyway, is it? Sure, sure. I think too many artists are just wanting to recreate the sound of another artist instead of being their own self. Right. But I do get a bit of an idea of Aretha Franklin coming through. Sure. Because on I Have Peace, uh -huh. you have this soulful track, Free Me Up. Mm-hmm. And that I do find funny is because I've read that you had classical vocal training at university, but then soul became a natural for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do not. Yeah. Do those things seem like they live in the different worlds to you? Maybe. That's what I think. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I remember listening to a lot of Aretha and also pop singing and just like I said, the the divas, Christina Aguilera at the time as well, when I went into college. I just remember my first voice teacher, she would stop me all the time in the middle of songs because I was always sliding into notes and scooping into notes and she really tried to whip out of me. So it's very natural for that to just come right back. Um, the thing that was really unnatural for me was singing arias and the German leader. Those didn't come quite as naturally for me, the vibrato on every note and the opera stuff. But it was great. I loved getting that training and I loved learning to use my voice. I kind of feel like I 
almost gained another instrument within my voice. You know, like you, you learn to sing in a totally different way. You learn all the mechanics of it. And then all of a sudden, now you kind of have this whole new color palette. But yeah, like I said, I think my true colors is always going to be sliding and scooping into things like the, the soul. That's, that's where my soul is kind of musically. I had to shape shift more to do the classical stuff. Well, then that makes me curious about something. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be considered more as a vocalist or as the songwriter? Ooh, this is a good question because I, I ask myself this all the time. More and more, I've just been thinking, I feel like I am a singer-songwriter. I really love being able to do both. And it's hard to kind of see yourself through unbiased eyes. But I, I feel like my skill level with each is equivalent. I know, without needing to think about it at all, that my instrument playing skills are way worse <laughs> than both of those. But I think singing and songwriting, I think they like they come pretty naturally to me and I feel passionate about both of them. You know, often I've read in the press about you and Allie Crummy is referred to as a deep thinker. Mm-hmm. That isn't typical of what's usually heard on radio. Sure. Question is, is as an artist, does it pay to have a thoughtful style? Um, you could probably point to some people who are doing both. They're getting the high numbers of streams and they have really deep lyrics. I'm sure you can point to a lot of that. I can't. (laughs) Nothing (laughs) springs to mind. But at the same time, there are a lot of people who are, you know, they're getting a decent amount of reach, whether it's in religious music or secular and they're not charting in the top 40 or anything like that. But they still have a good following, and they have lyrics that'll make you think. So I I wonder this sometimes. Like, if I was just to look at what are the most popular songs in my genre, and I know, like, in the Christian world, I find that a lot of people listen to praise and worship music, and it feels like a lot of the mainstream is in the Christian music world, which I could be misreading that, but that's my take on it. And that feels like it's become its own genre at this point. It has. Okay, so it's not just me. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to throw shade on people. It's not my jam. It's not a genre that I enjoy very much. Um, there are very talented musicians, and I'm not trying to say it's just different strokes for different folks. I wonder what would happen, you know, if I tried to make something that was a little bit more kind of that genre. I don't know that I would see more success with it, but I'll tell you, I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to. <laughs> well, the title of my second album, Honesty, is I just want to be honest. <laughs> I just want to be true to what is in my heart and what is in my soul to put out into the world. Like I want my songwriting voice to sound true to me. I want to have integrity within myself. People who are writing these praise and worship songs, I'm sure that that's true of them. It's just not what flows out of my soul. All I have to say is I'm just glad you're not willing to sell your soul for popularity. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I've often spoken with many artists who've said that the pandemic crushed their creativity. Mm. 
obviously you kept going. Yes. Is music how you dealt with boredom? I mean, all <laughs> these releases came out during COVID. Yes, they did. So was music your release from captivity? Um, yes, but also the first album was all recorded before COVID. Because you just knew it was coming. I guess so, yeah. I could <laughs> tell. Um, like, I Have Peace was released in 2019, but then how long was the second song that I released from that album? And that was as a single. And that came out March 6th. And in Iowa, it was March 8th that we shut down. So it was two days after that. Then every song after that came, um, obviously, it was deep pandemic. Um, and honesty, when I dropped that album, it was late October of last year. And I actually had COVID when I released that album, like at that exact time. Oh, no. So I was just sitting in my bedroom, just posting on social media. Um, it would have been interesting to see what it would have been like to be an artist outside of the pandemic. But I really don't know what that's like because I only had one single out before the pandemic. And you don't really tour when you have one single. What can you do when you have only one song out? So I never really did tried to make much of things and so basically as long as i felt like an artist it's been the pandemic my release from july of this year those other psalms was not necessarily a boredom thing but it was it kind of was so let's move into the ep that came out late 2020 and you said basically that was through the indiegogo additional funding that you had yes so release number two the ep every story has an author came out yes the song balance brings in the line balance keep it all in balance when i sway too far to one side it all tumbles down i'm so prone to lean just one way i need to be rounded out is that wishful thinking? Because I know, like for myself, it's easy for me to go off on a tangent. Um, I think it could be wishful thinking, but that's what I think is true, I guess. Um, and so the caveat I would give is that maybe I'm wrong. I know that the climate in Canada is different in some ways than in America, but we're so polarized here. And it infiltrates thinking in just about every, every layer of every fabric of daily life almost a lot of the time, kind of tribalistic thinking and things like that. And I find that, you know, people will kind of feel more, a more sense of comfort one way or the other and more suspicion toward the other side or, you know, than their own. I'm sure there are plenty of exceptions but this is, I guess this is what I see in myself, and this is what I believe to be true. <laughs> and maybe just take it out of a realm of tribalism or politics or anything like that. I think, you know, some people by personality tend to either be more risk averse or more comfortable with risks. And there are pros and cons to both of those. And so I think that that's another way that I see it as well. If I'm somebody who is more of a risk taker and maybe more compulsive, then maybe I'll lean too far that way in decision making. And maybe I should get more rounded out with taking time to think things through. 
etc. But if I'm more risk averse and I'm just very afraid of change, maybe I'm lean, you can lean too far that way and maybe it would be right to take some risks in life and to take some steps of faith and to, you know, live your life, you know, and not just kind of want to conserve everything. I do think that you probably are the risk-taking type because here you are. After many years here, you've just decided, hey, you're going to jump in with both feet and do the music machine. Sure. And I think that the reason I look like I'm the risk-taking type now is because when the first single came out in 2019, I was 34. And so a lot of artists will be re- releasing you know, songs in their 20s in some ways I feel like I got a little bit of a later start and I had been writing music a lot of that time and I think I aired a little more on the uh, risk averse side for those many years like oh I'll embarrass myself or oh what will people think or oh what you know just kind of afraid of that and I think I, I really did live kind of in that fear for a lot of years I'm I'm just really thankful to have a creative outlet for that and a vision for where these things could go. You need to tell me about something about your music. Is everything that you write God-inspired? Or is this really the voice of Ali Crummy speaking? <laughs> I'm thinking of the song like Stone Tablets, which shares both. Yeah, um, that's a theological question, probably. But yeah, I think... These are my thoughts as I'm trying to make sense of what I believe to be true about God, but also what I see in the world and what I see in myself. And sometimes those things don't feel like they reconcile. And so if there's ambiguity as to what's scripture and what's coming from Ali's messed up thinking um (laughs) that's kind of where the middle ground is and stone tablets is one like that when i released stone tablets as a single i released it right alongside another song called still be you and i kind of did that on purpose because i was afraid to release stone tablets because the lyrics are so raw and i was like this is how i feel (laughs) um and i don't know how much i want to like entrust this to everybody. It's very vulnerable. These are not thoughts that I would just offer up in conversation all the time necessarily, but it is true and it is how I feel. So I think a lot of walking in faith has doubt in step with it because I think faith implies an unseen part that we don't understand everything and we don't know the right way of thinking about everything. We don't know the right answer to every question that we have. And we see a lot of things that confuse us. So my my music definitely explores both ends of that. We should probably lighten things up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. When you and I were organizing this interview, you spoke about your kids. Yes. What do your kids think about your music? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I think it's pretty normal to them. They are not that excited about it sometimes, and sometimes they are. Actually, all three of them have gotten to sing on other people's tracks because they take lessons at the same place that I record. 
So sometimes they'll be like, hey, since you're here, can you guys just come in and record some gang vocals? So my kids have all gotten to do that. And so they think <laughs> that that's like the coolest thing in the world. Um, but it's on other people's tracks. But they love that they're going to be on Spotify. I've put them in a number of my music videos. And I think they're kind of excited about it, but I don't think they're that excited about it. Um, I think they're more just excited about, oh, we're going to go play in the sand. I think that's kind of typical for kids is it's you want to impress them, but they're kind of like, mom, you know, you're not that cool. You're not you're not very impressive, mom. So (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what it's like. But well, you brought up about them being in your Pleasant Places video. Mm -hmm. So I guess we should talk about child labor laws. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) How much were they paid? You know, I didn't get paid either. who do I talk to about that? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, that the Pleasant Places video, that was really fun. I think that one was one where it was like release day. And I said to my husband in the morning, I was like, oh, I should probably do like a music video for this. And then that evening we were shooting it. And because my husband is really good at all of this stuff. So he did all the videography for it. And then I do the video editing for the music video. So all that was, was just, we just threw a bunch of stuff in the car after dinner and we drove to the lake nearby (laughs) and we just shot for about an hour. And it ended up looking really fun. Like I think my husband did a really good job of framing all the shots. Um, But yeah, that's all that was. I didn't get paid and neither did my kids, but I also didn't pay anybody and it didn't really cost us anything (laughs) to put that together. Oh, sure. Don't feel guilty about using your kids for your own gain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That song, Pleasant Places, has the lyrics, I'll stop writing honest songs. Instead, I'll write what I wish I believed. Oh, you cut that one, did you, huh? What I wish overflowed for me. I'm sick of all the traps my mind gets caught up in. Yeah. Is that possible? To get out of, is it possible to get out of the traps? Um, Is it possible? (laughs) Um, I find that I have new traps coming up. You know, you'll get out of some, but then here, here are new ones. I guess I could probably write another version of that same notion, but have totally different things in mind. I don't remember what I was maybe thinking about when I wrote that, but in one season of life, you'll get caught in the traps in your mind that are like comparison or envy or things like that. And then in other times, it's anxiety and fear and hopelessness, you know, those sorts of things. And so there always are some traps, it feels like. I don't know that I've ever gone through a season in my life where there wasn't something, you know? I agree 100% with you on that one. You know, Allie, you got in touch with me a few weeks ago about your latest EP, Those Other Psalms. Could I get you to explain the title? Yeah. I I actually love the title of this EP because it just kind of rolls off the tongue. And the whole point was I wanted to write songs based on psalms that you never really hear from. You know, people are always going to quote from Psalm 23. You know, you, you were well acquainted with, you know, he makes me lie down by still waters and leads me by the green pastures and things like that. You know, we hear these, these are familiar psalms. We hear about how he knit me together in my mother's womb. 
But how often are you hearing about the imprecatory Psalms? You know, just some of these other things that are in scripture that are, I think, really helpful for understanding the human experience and kind of the theme that I'm talking about with trying to live out my faith and trying to reconcile what I believe to be true about God, but also with what doesn't make any sense to me in the world sometimes, you know. And some of these off-the-beaten-path psalms that maybe don't get quite as much play, they're talking about that kind of stuff, you know. And they're wrestling more with issues of doubt or issues of violent anger, you know, um, or issues of depression or issues of distrusting God. And these are themes that I relate to. I, I think actually we all relate to them, but sometimes we don't hear that verbalized in faith settings because it doesn't feel faithful because it isn't comfortable. It's not comfortable, and it's messy, and it's ugly, and you're not proud of it. It's not pretty, and it's not going to be a top 40 hit, and you're not going to want to sing it all the time. Um, because hopefully we don't always feel this way. You know, we don't always feel like my eyes are growing dim and I'm going to faint. I can't go on anymore. You know, hopefully we don't always feel like that. But I mean, we all do sometimes. Those are in the Bible too, you know? I didn't put them there. <laughs> They've been there this whole time. And to me, I just wanted to give them some play because I think we need more of that killer. We need that vocabulary that we can pull from in the ordinary life of faith because this is all part of it. Anyway, that was kind of why I wanted to focus on some of these particular psalms, but I, because I wanted them to be, you know, the off the beaten path ones, I just loved the idea of like, what about those other psalms? The title of this EP, is it, it's just like a funny question kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't we get into what I think is a standout from the EP, imprecatory. Mm. Psalm 140 had David asking God to help him and being confident that God would help him. Sometimes people aren't ready for the yes, no, or wait answer that God gives. Yeah. I can't speak for David, you know, but I can speak for when I read Psalm 140 or Psalm 69 or Psalm 109, which are the three imprecatory psalms that I featured on this EP. When I read those and when I relate to them, a lot of when my soul is praying these things, you know, a lot of when I'm resonating and I'm saying these things to the Lord, it's not for an answer at all. It's an outcry. I'm expressing how I feel. And I didn't always include the the really gruesome parts of the imprecatory psalms just because I wanted to not be insane. <laughs> um, <laughs> you wanted to keep it family friendly. Yeah, I guess so. But they get, you know, get real violent. I know when I have thoughts like that, I don't, it's not like my whole self agrees with it. You know what I mean? It's like part of my, part of me feels that way. Part of me says, oh God, just, just destroy this or just go after them or just that. And then almost instantly I'm like, ah, I don't know <laughs> if I should have said that or if I should have felt that way. But I do think that there's something that's really valuable about giving voice to it in a safe environment 
I cast a lot of doubt on whether or not I should feel those things. But, you know, there are, uh, Ukraine was something that was in my mind a lot when I was thinking, you know, of people who are just, they're just living their lives. And then all of a sudden, everything is thrown upside down and got to feel so powerless to change any of it. And those are absolutely prayers that I think are very appropriate. <laughs> for somebody to be praying when you, you know, you've, lo you've lost your, your cities in shambles, you've lost loved ones. Um, yeah, God, man, do some vengeance on this. You know, you're so powerless. It's not like you can go stop a war, but God can. You know, I found the release to be a little bit unusual, <laughs> just in the respect that it has a kind of stripped down style. You know, I wouldn't want to call it lo-fi. Oh, lo-fi, that's what we were going for. So that was purposeful. Yeah, and I, oh, so my other releases, the two albums and the other EP were all recorded in the studio. Yeah, they're very polished. Yes, but then this one, I recorded myself. And then my producer, he helped me just kind of master them. He helped me for like two hours, but for the rest of it, I played everything on it. Whereas my other ones, I... I let other people play some of the <laughs> instruments. I played some stuff on my other albums, but I played everything on those other psalms. And I recorded it and mixed it myself. And part of that was I just wanted to see if I could do it. Part of it was I had a lot of fun putting it together. <laughs> um, and part of it was I actually felt like it was appropriate. The kind of homemade and raw feel to it felt appropriate. Because the psalms are raw. Exactly. So even my, Brian, my producer, he was like, why don't you just come into the studio and we'll just knock these out real quick. And I was like, ah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I could, but I just wanted it to be kind of more like journal. Like you're maybe kind of listening to it as though you're reading it from handwritten journals rather than that you're reading it typed up. Funny enough, when I had to think about what was what should the artwork look like for this, we were on vacation in Arizona, and it was right after we had finished this. And so the EP was finished, and I was talking to Matt and my husband, and I was I got to think about what the artwork should look like. I want it to look homemade. It sounds kind of summery to me, and it'll be a summer release. And then I want you know imprecatory psalms. So those three things, what visually can work out. And Matt just like pulled out his phone and he had happened to take a photo at this park that we were at. I think it was the day before of this cactus with this, you know, against this really cool colored, you know, this pink wall. And I was like, yeah, it's like homemade looking because you just took it on your phone. Um, and a cactus, which is, you know, sounds kind of like imprecatory uh, psalms, you know, stay away kind of thing. Spiky. That's it. And then um, the colors were very summery so it all just kind of came together in that way and it was sort of getting that impression because cactus are thorny yeah but there's growth there at the same sure. time yeah that's right yeah sometimes something that god made and is growing and you're right is it looks scary but that doesn't mean that it was not full of life actually there's another song on those other psalms and it's called Sour Wine, mm -hmm. which is based on Psalm 69. Each of the psalms you chose must have meant something to you. Yes. But why choose this one in particular? You know, there's a story, but I can't, I, I can't elaborate on the story. But 
I will tell you the themes of the story. So something that I had gone through a little over a year ago, a really, really deep sense of betrayal from friends, community, people, again, not to elaborate on the specifics, but when I read Psalm 69, um, and actually when I, you know, when I thought about Jesus being betrayed by his friends in his hour of need, he's praying in the garden and he's saying, won't you just stay up with me for an hour? And then he comes back and they're asleep. And he's like, why couldn't you just stay awake and pray for me for an hour? Like, or, you know, he's before the high priest and he's on trial and Peter's like, I never knew him. And, you know, all of his friends are just nowhere to be seen. I'm not saying that what I went through was to that degree, but I'm saying that I felt very similar theme in my life with what something that I had gone through. And so that is why that spoke to me. And there was a lot of comfort that I had in that I could have a little camaraderie with Jesus. There's some fellowship of suffering. And also Psalm 69 was so cool because look, here's David who felt the same way too in some ways. Um, and here's David kind of expressing all these same things, same themes. So I kind of felt like, here we go, you guys. <laughs> it's, it's us three kind of. And again, that's elevating myself to be more important than I am. But in my own soul, it meant a lot to me. Just to know that there are people who follow God, like David, he's called a man after God's own heart, and he felt these same things to it, let alone the Son of God himself. Well, really, you know, I guess reality is, is that you're at the beginning of your career mm -hmm. as a musician. So what about the goals? What are they for Ali Crummy? Um, I just like, I love that question. My goal has never been to become famous. You mean you're not going to be performing with Mariah Carey? Oh, <laughs> that's blasphemy. <laughs> just straight up <laughs> blasphemy. Um, no, just kidding. No, I won't. I have no delusions of that nature. Um, but yeah, also, you know, the goal isn't to be top 40 Christian either. But the goal for me is longevity. I want to be in my 40s, 50s, and 60s, and still writing music, and still hopefully performing, and still growing as an artist into those decades in my life, Lord willing that I'm still alive, you know. Um, but as long as I'm living, I want to still be growing as an artist, and I want to continue to think of myself and see myself as an artist, and continue to tend to that garden within me, you know. I just kind of want growth. I'm just looking for growth, you know. So on a practical level, I don't want to become famous, but I do want to grow a fan base. Like I want um, to have the number of people who are familiar with my music. I want that to just grow in time, not to any arena proportions, but just more than a few years ago now. And then in a few years, I'd like to, to be more than it is now, if that makes sense. So Growth and longevity, I guess, are, and also as an artist, I want to grow as an artist. I want to grow as an instrumentalist. I want to grow in my songwriting. I want to stretch myself as a songwriter and as a singer. I also love the idea of just doing some offshoot projects and things like that, just for fun or just to experiment, just to have some, to collaborate and those types of things. So anyway, those would be my main goals. We'll all be looking forward to whatever's coming out from you. Well, great. <laughs> Allie, this has been great. Thanks so much for speaking with The Antidote. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Dave. You've been awesome and I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.